are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners, an agency made for manufacturers. My name is Jeff White and I'm your co-host and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I am doing well, sir. Thank you for asking. Well, I'm excited about our show today. It's a bit of an interesting, uh, interesting journey we're going to talk about. Yeah, I think a lot of... Um uh, particularly more uh, senior uh, manufacturing marketers, you know the the you know the the conversation that uh, you hear a lot is just one of how do we really uh, find and nurture tomorrow's marketing talent that they kind of I think instinctively understand you know it has a more diverse skill set requirement than perhaps um, what we uh, were used to twenty years ago or what have you. Um, I think today's guest is going to give us an interesting kind of inside glimpse into marketing leadership development in a very unique way. Yeah, it's a it's a very unique uh, program and uh, path that he's followed. So joining us today is Jason Capiello. Jason is a market intelligence analyst at Canthal. Thanks for joining us on the Cooler Ring, Jason. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Hey Jason, a real pleasure to be chatting. And, and look, I, I know that Canthal is part of the Sandvit group uh, overall as well. So maybe just give us a bit of an introduction to uh, the, the group and, um, and tell us a bit more about yourself as we get underway. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so where to begin? I guess um, starting with Sandvik. Uh, so first of all, they're, they're a Swedish engineering company, um, about 40,000 plus people uh, globally. And they focus on really three different areas. Uh, first would be the uh, mining and construction. So they have um, uh, drills, trucks, shovels, uh, also automated mining systems now. Um, and then the second would be the machining solutions. So looking at um, tooling technologies, um, really that subtractive manufacturing that we uh, know and love. And then uh, third is Sandvik Materials Technology business area, uh, and that's actually where Canthal sits. So it's um, focused on uh, on steel products. Uh, it's basically founded with that technology uh, over 150 years ago, and uh, we we graduated into this specific brand of Canthal, which focus on, focuses on heating technology. So it's um, uh, some heating products, some insulation, uh, really working with industrial processes. Very cool. And uh, I guess give, uh, give our listeners a bit of an introduction to you. Yeah. So my, my background um, from education is actually mining and minerals engineering. Um, so I went to school, uh, Virginia Tech, and then I did a, a study abroad program in, uh, in Europe focused on resource engineering. Uh, and so that kind of introduced me to the manufacturing side of things when we were understanding, okay, you know, this is how engineering works, but in, in order to get there, you know, you have to have, you have to have the machines, you have to have the tooling required to, you know, drill, blast, load, and haul a bunch of rock. And, um, and that was really my, my introduction to Sandvik overall. Um, and so when I was graduating, I was looking into different programs there. And uh, really one thing that stuck out to me was the Sandvik Global Graduate Program. Um, and so that really was an, an 18-month program. 
um, targeting uh, graduates internationally. Um, you know, this year they just started their fourth program. They've got um, people from India, China, U.S., uh, Sweden, Finland. Really, they're um, the, the target markets for them in terms of attracting talent. Um, and so it was it was a really good um, three project course where we went into um, starting with uh, local projects in our home country for six months, focusing on. Um, for me, it was on the mining side, so kind of my background traditionally. Uh, and then moving to the second rotation was uh, an international project. So the graduates get an opportunity to look into what the international market looks like, what it's like dealing across cultures, um, and then you know a little bit of travel involved as well. And then finally wrapping up with a, a last six-month project kind of aimed at transitioning, I would say, from the graduate program into the line organization. Uh, and then we had the opportunity really in between each of those projects for um, really hard skills training, soft skills training, networking within the, in the organiza- organization, and, um, and meeting leaders who have really shaped manufacturing to where it is today. So it was a a really unique opportunity to start in my career in the working world. Um, and, it, and it gave me some experience and uh, some opportunities to, to get to know marketing better as well. Total number of people enrolled in that program overall? Um, so each year, um, they recruit every year and a half since it's an 18-month program, so sort of on a two-year cycle. Um, and there are 10 people um, for each quote-unquote class. Okay, so it's a fairly rare era. Yeah. Uh, so I guess congratulations, at least, at the, the start of that, being chosen, let alone yeah. um, what's happened since. It's um, it's interesting to me as you talk about your background, because it's clear uh, to uh, me, as well as our listeners, I'm sure this is not a typical background for somebody in a marketing or sales function, uh, somebody with a marketing intelligence analyst in their title. Um, uh, so is that kind of, um, as you look around at your colleagues at Canthal, is, is, is that kind of par for the course, if you will? Do you find that um, a lot of the backgrounds are, are increasingly technical? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's fair, a fair assessment. Um, really, when we look at differentiating ourselves from um, you know, sticking out in, in, the, uh, in the industry, there really is this stress on technical knowledge of what you're working with. So, I mean, we have people who are, have chemistry backgrounds, material science, um, you know, environmental engineering who kind of come together into different roles. And, you know, certainly in marketing, um, I'd say half of our marketing team is, comes with a, a very technical background, really. I'd be curious, as you kind of um, started dipping your toe in the world of marketing, um, what was the biggest surprise coming from an engineering background? You know, it's it's interesting because you, you learn everything theoretically when you're studying engineering. And um, I mean, when you're taking a, a thermodynamics class, you never think like, how am I going to get a furnace? <laughs> you always you always are handed a calculator and some paper and they say, all right, what, what are, what are going to be the operating efficiencies of this furnace? Um, so I would say the biggest surprise for me was 
really just the exposure to the manufacturing industry and, and the process. Um, when you're when you're an engineer, you're you're looking at designing things and finding out information, reaching out to these um, suppliers, getting a quote, um, and getting an order. And so uh, maybe I was a bit naive, but coming into um, coming into the marketing position, I always thought it was kind of more of a B two B B two C process where you just you know click to buy and you've got your parts and you put together a furnace like a Lego kit. So um, really, when I stepped into the line organization with sales, I was I was surprised to find out that you know sometimes these these processes can be you know a two year buying cycle and that really there is a lot that goes into it and the importance of marketing is really, really relevant there. I think it's really interesting that that was your entry point into the line organization coming out of the, 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 the leadership program was you know, first role was a sales role. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and kind of exactly what you were, what you were selling and how long you were in that, uh, that role? Yeah. Um, so so that was, um, I guess, starting in 2017, um, I stepped into the role of business development manager for the Western U.S. territory. Um, and the products that, that I was selling at the time was resistor and capacitor components, um, which was a, a, co- a product set that we had with Canthal at the time. Um, and really, these were components that went into larger, larger electrical systems um, so really we were dealing with, you know, buyers and purchasers, uh, along with design engineers. Um, and so when I started, you know, that was, that was when I began meeting with customers, understanding, you know, decision makers in an organization and getting to know better what the, what the buying process was. And in addition to the sales side, I was working with some of the marketing in terms of, improving the website in terms of our visibility, you know, really reducing the number of clicks that it took for our buyers to find out what they were looking for. Um, and so that's kind of what gave me the taste for the marketing side is, you know, there we'd be going into customers who had to buy 3,000 different components for, uh, for example, a, a hot tub control panel. And so when I met with the, the purchaser for that specific company, he says, I don't have time to spend you know, five minutes digging on your website to find the part that I'm looking for. I need to get in contact with you and I need to get, get my job underway. So it was a, it was a surprise, but it really showed me that there needs to be a little bit more customer focus when it comes to sales um, from the marketing side. You know, it's, um, I mean, it's somewhat easy, and I think, for me to imagine, uh, and maybe it is because I have sales background myself, but how that... Um, can influence uh, your approach to thinking about marketing and how it just just informs um, um, your worldview. I often wonder about this in reverse, so I guess I'm going to challenge you with answering my own question. Um, I guess I kind of wonder sometimes if that if that makes makes it almost. Um, you know, because you said yourself, you started in that role in, in 2017, uh, so you have a couple of years' experience in it. Um, you know, is there a is there a caution about um, maybe letting your worldview uh, from a marketing perspective be too informed by that uh, limited slice of sales experience? Kind of t- 
on his head a bit. I, and, and I kind of wonder that about that in uh, about about myself, I suppose. I kind of wonder, ah, you know, are my instincts on this maybe just too informed by a very narrow slice of experience that I've had? You, you know, I think that's a fair a fair statement to kind of take a step back and look at things from more of a traditional perspective because you know at the end of the day <laughs> we we look at things and you know certainly myself growing up with technology it's more of an you know instant gratification but looking at people who are still in the roles of of manufacturing and they've been in there for for 30 years sometimes the traditional business is is necessary and i think you know we still see the relevancy of trade shows and we still see the value of face to face meetings uh, i think maybe then the, the challenge becomes rather than if it's necessary more what is the purpose um, and i think you know thinking about trade shows that, that's something i can be a bit cynical about because um, you know people say oh well trade shows they're they're a dying breed I don't think they're a dying breed. I don't think it's a dying channel. I think the reason why we go um, and stick with these traditional um, marketing channels is is changing. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly can come in with that uh, all digital now kind of mentality. But, um, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of what our organization is meant to challenge a little bit. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample abm it's so i mean we go we've been on down the trade show tangent on this show like a number of times many times um you know there's something about it people i mean i kind of can roll my eyes a bit um sometimes just because it's so cliche but um so many businesses are relationship built businesses and it's easier to do that in that kind of environment than it is in many others and then of course you know sometimes there's you know if you need to see it touch it feel it whatever to in order buy it uh, the trade a trade show um, environment is sometimes some somewhat efficient in that regard yeah. so yeah. um i don't think that that format's going away anytime soon because i just think as humans we have this uh kind of urge to be together you know yeah i think so um yeah, but, we were even speaking with somebody not that long ago on the podcast who actually sells equipment like cash and carry mm, <laughs> at their trade show so yeah. you know for large ten thousand plus dollar uh, machines but at the risk of this turning this into uh, episode four of our trade show series that's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, kind of well, yeah. uh, i guess um what do you think of that formative uh, role in sales i guess just um how how do you think it has impacted your uh, approach to your current job yeah i think i mean there's a lot of things that have influenced kind of where i where i am today with with um you know looking at data as driving decisions for the, for the organization. Um, and if I look at the influence on, I guess there's two main influences. The first is what you were asking about, which is the sales background. But then I also think that the um, kind of the company culture that we have at Sandvik has also had an influence. So I'll, I'll touch on that first. Um, you know, I really feel working with this Swedish company, we've got this, um, this idea of, 
an empathetic approach to things. You know, Sweden is a very consensus driven culture. Uh, and I think that that exposure from the leadership uh, during my global graduate program gave me really the, uh, the understanding that we need to know what the customer is doing. Um, and, and that actually brings me to the second point, which is about sales and understanding that people do certain things for specific goals. And that's coming into data. We want to kind of assess what that means. And so for a, a buyer for two year behavior, when they reach out to us on our website and it's the first that we're hearing of it, we really don't know that what point they're in the, in the buying cycle. Um, so looking at things now and trying to decode a little bit about the, the user behavior on our website, we want to be able to drill down a little bit deeper into saying, okay, you know, we, we understand, you know, this degree of touch points. Um, we've provided a little bit more of a, a personalization in terms of what we're showing people and where. Um, and so all about testing and making uh, assessments on, okay, this worked, this didn't work. We understand a little bit more about the customer because of it. So it's, you know, I, I, I kind of kind of walked around it a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's just looking at, okay, how do we sell um, business to people using data? I, I find it um, interesting going back to a point you made earlier about, you know, someone calling you and saying, I don't have five minutes to find this part on your website. Um, and, and yet, you know, we have a, you know, a, a known two-year sales cycle with, with a lot of these products, you know, are you seeing any consistency in the data in terms of when people are starting to reach out? Are you finding them further down the funnel now with all of the information you're providing on the Canthal site? Or is it the kind of thing that, uh, you know, it really does depend. Some people are at the top of funnel and some people are ready to make a purchase. Yeah, I think, I think it might be too early to tell um, for, for some industries. And I mean, we work each industry that we work in is different. So whether that's with the, the semiconductor industry or glass industry or even you know aluminum smelters, it can it can really be dependent. And and so to try to lump it together is, I think the approach we've taken in the past, um, in terms of oh okay we got an inquiry that means that they're going to buy within a month. But I think now we'll be able to you know, use the data to make it a little bit more granular and, and really answer those questions. Yeah, I was kind of curious, uh, Jeff, I think we're kind of answering or dancing around the same question. I was mm. kind of wondering, you know, have what are, it's maybe a, too much of an inside baseball question, of course, but <laughs> I was kind of wondering, you know, what are the data triggers to help that you found to be useful in helping to ID where somebody is at in that buying cycle? I've often you know, as you're trying to analyze those initial site uh, uh, site behaviors, it's um, have you found anything that tends to be a, an an interesting leading cue to letting you know roughly where somebody's at? Yeah, I think you know, I was ex I was exploring this this week, and I think one thing that was interesting was the number of people from uh, an organization that were involved. Um, so, kind of having that firmographic approach and saying, okay, well, you know, we have one touch point on this person who might be, you know, an engineer, but really looking at it from a bit of a higher approach and saying, okay, we've got one, one touch point on the engineer. So we think that he's ready to buy, but really we look at 
we look at their whole organization. You've had the, the president involved and he came to the website, you know, 10 times in a month. Um, you've got a purchaser who downloaded a data sheet to try to find out, you know, if, if this part was compatible with an old part. Um, so I, I, that's something I'm trying to, trying to drill down as well is, you know, number of people in an organization who have expressed interest. Um, and then certainly the engage, engagement metrics of, um, you know, if there was, uh, viewing of a product video or number of returns to a website. Um, it's still a lot of data that we're gathering, but I, I do think that there's some something to be said about that uh, in terms of number of people from a firm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, once you start, you move from having a lead buyer who's engaged to having a buying committee that's engaged, mm. that, would, um, that would make a lot of sense. I wonder if you think back to you know in your in your time in that uh, the leadership uh, program as well as the roles um, at Canthal since have there been any other things other than the um, the early sales exposure that you would say have been has been key to your success so far or kind of critical components you think to your uh, development? Hmm. I think. Um... I mean, I think that the Global Graduate Program was probably the most influential and really the, the ability to learn about manufacturing across several different cultures, um, that, that, was, that was probably one of the most influential things just to kind of take me back a second and ask, okay, like, you know, who are you dealing with? Are you, are you working with, you know, Eastern cultures, Western cultures? Are you dealing with kind of mom and pop organizations that are, you know, a key customer for us for decades, or is it, you know, a, a multinational conglomerate that might do a lot of business with us, but we haven't spoken to somebody in, in ages. Um, and I think the global graduate program gave us that perspective because we were able to really travel around and, and meet the people on the factory floor and get their opinions and, and their insight from exposure to customers and, I mean, I really feel like, you know, if, if you're fortunate enough to have an international experience, then, you know, certainly take advantage of it. I think that was quite influential on where I am today. Seems too like it's a bit of a, I mean, you know, Sandvik being a Swedish company, having having that kind of global perspective seems like, you know, a bit of that influence coming into play and, and bringing that to, to new hires and, you know, getting the global graduates to go through a program where you do get to travel to places you've probably never been or considered. And that is absolutely going to shape your perspective from a sales and marketing side of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, I, I guess um, in some ways, maybe we can sh share a little bit of uh, uh, connectivity with the folks in Sweden up here in Canada and that, <laughs> you know, you're relatively small uh, as an international player mm -hmm. um, and it probably, causes you to almost out of necessity have a bit more of a international yeah. lens on things you know? for sure yeah uh, jason i really thank you for uh for taking the time to take us through um uh the just introduce introduces to the program to sandvik and how how they're growing leadership talent uh it's been a just a interesting glimpse into that uh and uh it's fascinating to hear about your your work at canthal thanks so much for sharing it with us yeah thank you all right thanks a lot Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. 
That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.